What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. Hi, this is Bill Farmer. You're listening to the Neverland Podcast. Another world, another time in the age of wonder. There was once a dream. You could only whisper it. Anything more than a whisper, and it would vanish. A battle between good and evil. You don't know the power of the dark side. Where shall I find a new adversary so close to my own level? Try the local sewer. You know of the rebellion against the Empire? The Avengers, Earth's mightiest heroes. Peace means having a bigger stick than the other guy. One of these days, I'm going to have a stick of my own. I'm Groot. Welcome to the Neverland Podcast. The podcast for lovers of Disney, Pixar, Marvel, and Star Wars. I'm glad you're here to tell us these things. Please welcome your host, Jeremy. I thought he'd be taller. Yeah, I can find All it takes is faith and trust. Well, if it isn't the Star Spangled Man with a plan, what is your plan today? Welcome to Neverland. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, take your pixie out of your pockets. We're at Planet Comic Con, and I'm not alone. Lost Boy Philip is with me. Howdy doody. And the Windy Nerd is with me. Hi. All right. She's got a little overwhelmed. This is her first Comic Con. But we are here. This is us walking the floor. Uh, so uh, we've elected a direction. We have just a little, a few minutes before the Stan Lee panel. We're going to try to attend. It might be difficult. And I'll try to get a few photos. But uh, so what are we seeing so far? I think you're going to go in this, sir. Oh, look, some Twitch broadcasters. I see so many things for sale that I want, don't need any of them, but I like it all. Oh, yeah, we got to look at all this stuff. Now, out here on the floor, uh, Bill Farmer's supposed to be out here on the floor somewhere. We're going to try to go and find him. Uh, this is actually post the panel, which I'm not sure if I'm going to share the audio or just post the YouTube. Our panel was a success. Went very well. Yes, you did good. Had actually some people, some listeners that were there. Because I asked, like, hey, who all has, uh, you know, ever heard of this show before? Oh, my gosh, that has a creepy shirt. <laughs> Nicholas Cage creepy it. eyes. I love it. Uh, wow, there's the comic section. All right, I'm going to start looking around. I got the. Hey, did you find you? Oh, look at this Millennium Falcon. Six hundred dollars or best offer. Four foots. It's somewhere right here. Six bucks. Six. No kidding. Six hundred dollars or best offer. That's my best offer. Six dollars. That's all you. Oh, look at this. Old Walt Disney's Vacation Parade. Hey, I think we used to have that as a kid. Honestly, I had my aunt Ladonna used to collect all these as they come out. And I still have one or two around. I do. They're not in good condition. Yeah. But I have well, them. There's a few of them. Walt Disney's Goofy. Yeah. Five dollars on each one of those things. Gee, wow. Except for I'd be afraid to ever take him out of the uh, thing. I'd be worried about this is here. Uh, even doing back to yeah. school. Oh. So the oh, Silly Symphony. Now, oh, my goodness. I believe I had that one, too. I might still have that one, actually. I'll look and see. Wow. Oh, look, a Rip Hunter Time Master. Conveniently, we just also came out of the Arthur Darville yeah. and uh, Danielle Panabaker panel, which no one said I couldn't record it. Of course, they may have said it before we came walking in late. So that's the audio I will be presenting. There, there was a lady that was going around. Making like, sure it wasn't had people. Film, like it was yeah, people had the camera out. Well, I didn't have a camera out. Yay! Check the treat. Oh, a lot of good stuff in here. A lot of good Disney stuff. 
a whole collection of Disney in here. See, this on 10 cents. I want to save my money for getting some cool photos, but I'm, oh golly, some really cool stuff y'all have. I hear your wallet calling you. Yeah. My brain is saying, no, no. I try to save my money to be able to get photos with some, oh my gosh, look at this alien. That is awesome. How can you see? Oh, that's really great. There, see, a Nemo hat. If you were wearing what you were thinking to wear and had that Nemo hat, people would understand. She had thought about Disney bounding in Nemo colors, but, but it didn't quite work. You looked like you were just dressing nicely, which is okay. You can dress nice. Okay, I don't know. Okay. Uh, we got a female looking out here. I wish I had time to stop for all of these. Oh, Philip, Philip. Uh, the I one guy it. you told me about. Yeah, uh, I, whatever he said his name was. You're talking about... Uh, oh, the one wrestler. Yeah, I'll think of that here in a uh, Balor. Yeah. Finn Balor. That's cool. We'll try to make our way. Now, somewhere out here on the floor is a guy who worked on the old Uncle Scrooge comics. I'm going to try to be able to stop and talk to him as well. Well, I'm going to just kind of circle at, at this point. Oh, oh sorry. sorry. I, I think we have a local Ghostbusters group, perhaps. Because sometimes they're in uh, groupings. And we lost, we lost the fill. He's back there looking at stuff. We'll keep circling. Uh, we seem to be mainly in the toys and comics half. This is usually where you buy stuff, find stuff to buy. But over at the front of this, like last year, is where I saw the uh, they had a time machine DeLorean last year, and it would be great to get maybe a photo with that again because the money goes to. Um, Okay, well, we're going to follow the map. She's, of course, you know, wanting to give directions. We're going to call you our navigator. I'm just talking to our peoples. Okay, so you're going to hear a little bit of car noise as we're going along here. Uh, Heather and I didn't manage to get into the Stan Lee panel. Uh, I, I saw a big long line, and I was afraid I wouldn't be able to get in. Uh, turned out there, turned, there was a few empty seats. I probably could have made it. But I managed to do a lot of fun stuff on the floor, so I'm, I'm okay with that. But Philip managed to get himself in line and get in the Stan Lee panel. So I'm going to hand the microphone to Philip, and he's going to tell you what happened to the Stan Lee panel. I wouldn't have been allowed to record it anyway, apparently. So That's true. Well, I'll tell you what happened. I was sitting there. I found a chair. I took a seat. I sat down. I listened, and Stanley came out. He came out late, but he came out, and it was good. That's it. No, I'm kidding. It was a lot of fun. Uh, it was neat to see Stanley. He's uh, let's see, how old is he now? 92, 93. I'm losing count of how old he is now. But he, uh, he, I tell you what, he's got more energy than most young folks that you're gonna know. He's pretty awesome. He was a lot of fun to listen to. He was talking about uh, some new characters that are be coming out on a TV show. He's working in the Oh, I can't remember which other country it was, but he's uh, got this thing called PAL uh, Entertainment, and uh, he's bringing out new superheroes and these new movies and things, and he's, of course, making a whole bunch of films, and there's talks of even uh, someone making, he wouldn't say who, because he couldn't, but this, he said there was a very famous person who's wanting to not only make a film about Stan Lee, but also playing him, so I'm sure in time we'll see who that is, provided the movie gets made. I hope it does. That'd be a lot of fun. But he, he answered a whole bunch of questions, and he just seems like a really nice guy. I love Stanley. He's like an, he seems like an uncle to all of us nerds. <laughs> like there was Uncle Walter's Uncle Stan. Uh-huh. Uncle Gene Roddenberry and even Uncle George. <laughs> uncle George Lucas. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Here you go, brother. Uh, any big standout moments other than that? 
Well, I, of course, the, the, for me, being the geek that I am, I loved it. At the very, very end, he stood up and he said, and everybody said, and we all said, Excelsior, and it was great to see him do it, you know, putting his arm up there. He was, he was pretty awesome. A lot of fun. As it was, he used normal, funny type stuff because he usually got a great sense of humor. Oh, yeah. He had a real good sense of humor. likes it really uh, humble and, and funny because he's putting on this false pride type thing where he's all talking about how great he is. and his, But he's, of course, joking. He's, yeah. hey, he is great, though. I love him. Seems like a lot of fun. Yeah. And maybe I'll get a chance next time. But I did get to lay eyes on him. He was out on his line, and I did kind of look out and say, Oh, look, there's Stan Lee. And we saw him when we were leaving as well. It was Stan Lee. Set up. <laughs> All right, so I'm standing here. What are y'all's names? Lon Davis. Oh, she's not with it. And then this is your son over here? Reese Davis. Reese Davis. And so you basically made uh, his special needs into great costumes. Yes. Uh, so how'd this get started? Um, my son got his first wheelchair when he was three years old. And uh, for Halloween that year, he wanted to be Wally. So uh, I knew I couldn't buy a costume that would work for his wheelchair. So I just built it. And uh, every year since then, we've built custom costumes for his wheelchair. And uh, it's grown into... Uh, more people have asked us to do them for their kids, and so we started a business, a nonprofit organization called Walking and Rolling Costumes, and we design costumes for kids all over the nation in wheelchairs and walkers, free of charge to the families. That's so great. Now, is Wally still the best character? Uh, no. Now, who's the, who's the best character now? Ant-Man. Ant-Man? Well, of course, because he's wearing Ant-Man today. It's always his newest costume is his favorite. Oh, of course. <laughs> Oh, uh, but I see he's got the Poe Dameron. Yes, we did Poe Dameron yesterday, and he was BB-8 in the back driving it. And oh. then tomorrow we're going to bring back Baymax, a, a yeah, oh, the Comcast favorite. I'm sorry, cosplay favorite. So now we've, we've got some uh, new stuff. You know, we've got a Civil War that just happened in Marvel. Is there anybody else from Civil War besides Ant-Man you think might be fun to do? Um, Falcon or Black Panther. Oh, Black Panther would be awesome. I'd love to see what you... Maybe he could ride on a panther. Yeah, this is news to me, so I'll, I'll start working on a Black Panther costume, I guess. <laughs> so how can people find the website? Or do you have a website yeah, for Yeah, our website is org, and uh, you, can, you can go on there, find out how you can donate or volunteer to help. We, we need volunteers who can help design the costumes. You can do that from anywhere in the, in the world. Um, we also have builders do electricity, paint, sewing, any type of skill, they can sign up on our website. And that way, when we have a child request a certain type of costume, we know what types of skills we'll need in order to accomplish that costume. Oh, that's great. So are you the coolest kid on Halloween when you go around like this? Uh, you wear this for Halloween? Yeah. <laughs> well, let's get out. You get more candy than everybody else, don't you? Sometimes. Awesome. Well, thanks a lot. This is great. I love that you're doing the whole business out of it. Much. That's great. Okay, so I'm here with David, is it Ankrum? David Ankrum, yes. And you're listed as the voice of Wedge Antilles. That's right. That's right. In the very first film, A New Hope, um, the actor Dennis Lawson had a very thick Scottish accent. <laughs> so Lucas wanted a little more of an Americanized voice, so they called me in to do that, the voice of, of uh, Wedge in A New Hope. I, I originally auditioned for C-3PO in the very oh. first film. And, and you know, obviously didn't get that, but they called me back later to, to do the voice of the witch. 
were you going to be fully in the costume for C-3PO, or were you going to try to voice him? Because I know originally they wanted him to be more like a used car salesman, but right, I, Tony I, was just I so great. All, yeah, he was great. And I think what happened, I mean, I don't know the whole story. I just know that early on when they were doing, they weren't quite sure which way to go with it. I don't believe I would have been in the suit. I think I was going to be just the voice. The voice. Yeah, but um, there's, you know, it's, it's just so wonderful to be a part of that very first... Yeah. Beginnings. The beginnings yeah. of that whole... And, and who knew at that time what it was really going to yeah. grow into. Yeah. So have you gotten to do... I, I don't know if they've had Wedge in that. I've missed out on Star Wars Rebels this season, so... Wedge should be in there somewhere. You didn't know, they and I do, yet? They have not. Um, the only people that contact me... There was that, that documentary, that Elstree 76 documentary film that just came out about... We made an, a documentary about a lot of the, the smaller actors in the background and the and some of the voice actors in uh, a, a New Hope. And it's an interesting. I didn't get a chance to be in it, but they, they were going to fly out to to put me in there, but they, the scheduling wouldn't permit it. But it's uh, supposed to be. I haven't seen it. It's supposed to be a really I hadn't heard cool of it. documentary. It just came out, so you'll you look for that. Yeah. So what all work have you done since then? You know. In the 70s and 80s, I was an actor. I did, I did, uh, the, I did a role of Adam Stevens, uh, the sequel to Bewitched, spinoff of that series. There was a spinoff? Yeah, Bewitched, Tabitha. It was called Tabitha. When t- little Tabitha grew up, and, yeah. and the brother Adam I played with, Lisa Hartman played Tabitha. And we, I did not know yeah, that. Bob Urick was in it. Just one season on ABC wow. and ran. And, um, and then I you know, went to do a lot of guest star work with Moonlighting and... Hardcastle McCormick, Simon and Simon, Murder She Wrote, a lot of those shows, and um, then segued into writing. I started writing for sitcoms like Charles in Charge. Oh, I, I love wrote Charles on Charles in Charge and a lot of different TV shows, and then uh, then I moved over to the dark side, became a talent agent. <laughs> so that's what I've been doing for quite a while, and now now lately I've kind of segued again, put another hat on, I'm producing and managing a few actors and writers and. Going in that direction. I'm actually working with Fred Roos, big producer on a movie we're putting together. So, yeah, that's that's what's happening right now. So, and doing some wonderful cons, which is really terrific. Is there any way people can follow you on social media or anything like that? Um, you know, I I, I don't have a, I, I have I have my Facebook, but I don't have my own like fan Facebook page. I'm on Twitter, you know. They're on Twitter, so you can do that. Just look for at David Arkham or Ankrum. David Ankrum. David Ankrum one. David Ankrum one. It'll be on Twitter. Yeah. Somebody tried to steal your name, so you had to put a number, didn't? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Telling you. But oh uh, well, that's just great podcast you're doing. That's terrific. Yeah. As far as I didn't know, I learned something I didn't know. I didn't know there was a different voice for Wedge. And you know, there's another little story to it. In the first movie, there were two wedges. Um, there was an actor named Colin Higgins who was in the briefing room scene, which is that picture there. And um, I did the voice of, of, of the other Wedge. But that's it's a little known fact. There were the main actor for Wedge was Dennis Lawson, but Colin Higgins did play one scene. And, uh, my voice is for both of them. The line was, uh, "That's impossible, even for a computer." That was the line. I always thought he looked kind of different. Yeah. When I yeah. saw that, I was like, that, that's it, interesting. Yeah, so that was it for the, for the first lot of little mysteries to the, yeah. that first one, but it turned out to be a phenomenal. 
<laughs> and I love the music. I mean, the music that John Williams yeah. put to it. I mean, yeah. Beautiful. I beautiful. Hope, I know he's getting older. I hope he stays alive long enough to do two more movies. If he doesn't, I'm going to cry. Well, don't cry. Don't cry. He's got you. You know, I, I grew up as a childhood friend of Dennis Muren. He lived across the street from me. Wow. And uh, we used to make little movies in his garage. He would do the special oh effects, goodness. and I was the actor, and we were like 12, 13 years old. And, you know, 17 years later, you know, I had a nice little addition to the, the first film, and he was, you know, a great special effects artist. And, yeah. And he was terrific talent. Yeah. Yeah. So that, wow. that's, that was kind of fun. So it's like early childhood history? Yes. Yeah, it kind of comes around with the book Comes around. You know? Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Uh, great to, I'm glad you can stop by. Yeah. Hey, this is David Ankrum, the voice of Wedge Antilles in Star Wars A New Hope, and you're listening to the Neverland Broadcast. And so, of course, we did have the official Neverland Live panel. That was one of the first panels of the day, which uh, was was half panic-inducing. I was trying to get, make sure everything went right, because I, I showed up later than I than I expected to, and I didn't find the parking spot I wanted. I wasn't sure what time the Comic-Con actually started. Uh, and so I, you know, we showed up a little bit before my panel was because they told me it was one of the first panels of the day and we were rushing around trying to find somewhere to park and I was making sure my guests managed to find their way in and trying to find our vouchers. And finally, when I got into our room and we started to get set up, it was like, okay, now we can breathe and just have the panel go. And you didn't expect to be up on there with me. No, I didn't. They had an extra microphone and I thought I would be like, you know, in the back of the room or something with the PowerPoint just pushing the button, so I ended up sitting in the front pushing the buttons so everybody was staring at me. So Well, they weren't worried about you. They were kind of paying attention to our guests. Well, I hope so, because the guests were very, very interesting. I was so glad that they could come and share, you know, all that they know about uh, Walt Disney and his hometown with us, which is always, it's always good. They're, yeah. they're always, hometown museum is always so good. Yeah. And I was, before we started, uh, and you'll, you'll be able to see this on YouTube. I do have video. I'm processing it right now. And I'm going to post it to the Neverland Podcast YouTube channel. Uh, so I won't be playing the audio for you anytime soon because I want you to be able to see the pictures we shared. But before we started rolling the cameras, before we really got started, because I was like so nervous, like, what if nobody comes at all and I have an empty room, you know? But, you know, when people were coming in, I was like, oh, goody, goody, and lots of people coming in. But I went ahead and I asked, I was like, so who here has actually heard of the Neverland podcast? And some hands went up and some people that I, there are, some, of course, some people that are friends of mine that their hands went up. But people I didn't know whose hands went up, I was like, yay! It was very nice to see some of our viewers. So thank you so much for coming! That you just made my day, and all those new people who came in that I this just probably saw Walt Disney in there. I just wonderful that they all came in. I was so excited y'all came, and I hope you really enjoyed it. I think it went well because there were some people who thanked me for mm-hmm. for bringing them out there, and I think they're also excited to go and visit the museum. I hope uh, they come. Yes. Yes. So definitely, y'all go to YouTube, check out the video as soon as I get it up. I will hopefully have it up there very very soon. Uh, it was a great panel, some great pictures. Uh, maybe I'll try to share some of the pictures on uh, our news page. Uh, and hopefully you're able to hear. There were some great sound clips, uh, one of them that they had brought and then I brought one. Uh, just It turned out so well. I was so happy for the turnout of it. And a big thanks to our guests, Kay Mallins and Peter Whitehead, who came all the way down from Marceline to talk to us. Yep. 
Uh, it was great. It was and good job. You did good with your passion. Because she was just working PowerPoint on a computer and yeah. ended up having to sit up on stage with us because that's where the computer setup was. But it was nice because I was able to kind of tap your leg like, oh, yeah, I'll go ahead and switch to the next frame. You yeah, know? I, I wasn't sure how everything went. So we, we made it through. I had to skip and go back and jump forward and yeah. we little hoppy skippies around. But yeah, Peter started talking it. about Midget Autopia before it was on the, the list on the outline. Yeah. And yeah. <laughs> threw us off just a bit. But that's okay because it was good. But after that, we kind of tried to walk the floor, try to squeeze some floor walking in whenever we could. We were trying to get to as many panels as we could. Uh, we didn't get into the Stanley, as you've already heard. Uh, but uh, while while Philip was in the Stanley one, we managed to get a lot accomplished. And you've already heard, I, you know, got to talk to Bill Farmer, mm-hmm. which I you went and sat and were people watching because she's introverted, so she liked to see the costumes. I just yeah, that's really when I think about Comic Con and anybody's ever talked about Comic Con. My big thing was I just want to sit, just give me a good spot like a fly on the wall. I just want to people watch because it's so interesting to see how everybody is at a Comic Con. Like some people are, you know. Uh, very into the the costumes and they do all the cosplay and then there's some people that you know that they're just enjoying kind of like I am and there I mean just so many different people and so many different ways to appreciate it so I just wanted to kind of suck in the ambiance so I did a lot of just observing yeah but then I went into fetch you because we kept losing track of each other because I'd stopped to take a picture of a cosplayer it was so busy and so crowded but I went and so fetched busy. you and I, I kept you by the hand from that point I didn't want to lose you anymore but I said come with me we're gonna I'm gonna go wait in line and go talk to Bill Farmer. And so we went over there, and you enjoyed getting to, you know, you didn't really participate in the conversation, but it was fun for you. It was, yeah, it was nice to listen. Bill Farmer, and... is, he's as nice and cool as everybody's ever told mm-hmm. me. Uh, and there was even more I was talking to him even after I switched off the microphone, because I just realized on his pictures that he had done, like, Foghorn, Leghorn, and mm-hmm. Sylvester for Space Jam. Mm-hmm. Uh, and golly, I think some other characters I saw that I was like, how cool, he's done all these yeah. different other characters. Uh, and he even uh, wanted to make sure I'd seen uh, one of the latest Mickey cartoons. And so he was showing me on his phone. And, you know, I couldn't really Goofy's hear. Goofy's First Love or something Go- like yeah, that. Yeah, Goofy's First Love because, uh, and this is about as much of a tribute I guess we're going to have for Alan Young. Because uh, we, we were talking about that a little bit off where Alan mm-hmm. Young, of course, was the legendary voice of Scrooge McDuck. And he was Wilbur on Mr. Ed and he was on Adventures in Odyssey. So many great things. Uh, his loss is really going to be missed. Uh, I wish I'd have had time to maybe prepare a series of sound clips, but you know I was busy with this convention. Well, maybe uh, we can get it in next weekend or something. Yeah, maybe we can so- throw some things up. But yes, Alan Young passed away. I guess it was Friday, mm-hmm. late Friday. Uh, he was he was had failing health anyway. He'd been in a in a nursing home mm-hmm. for a good long time. Uh, but uh, it's a big sad loss. But we really appreciate everything he had done and being the voice of Scrooge McDuck, which also oh. leads me over to the next bit of of what I did not get to record. I got to talk to, uh, and it was Don Rosa, and he's an artist for the Uncle Scrooge comic books. And I guess they're they're, they're still going, uh, even internationally. I think he's still working on them. But I, I guess I kind of made the mistake of leading with, well, hi, I do a local Disney podcast. Would I, can I ask you a few questions? Mm-hmm. Uh, and he even had a sign out, and so I was going to make sure I was asking, asking about Uncle Scrooge and not DuckTales, because he had yeah. a sign in front of his booth that says, no, this is not DuckTales, this is Uncle Scrooge, and it's a comic yeah. book. And I knew there was a comic book, and I knew the early stuff about Carl Barks, mm-hmm. uh, who created Uncle Scrooge, but he was like, no, I'm not going to talk anything. I, he almost seemed like he's really not keen on Disney, because 
you know, Uncle Scrooge was not a Disney creation. It was Carl Barks, and all these comics were Carl Barks, and mm-hmm. all the other stuff, you know, that Disney licensed, but they did not create Uncle Scrooge. They licensed mm-hmm. him for to use Donald Duck and Huey, Dewey, and Louie, but Carl Barks created all the other characters that were later used in DuckTales. Interesting, because so, I love DuckTales. I watched it all the yeah, time. Yeah, I did love it, and I wanted, wanted to just be able to talk about the characters, mm-hmm. but I think because I led with that, he did not want to be recorded. Yeah. But... I don't want to take anything away from him. I understand, you know, his yeah, viewpoint. Yeah. But since he didn't record with me anything, I had said, well, let me go ahead and buy an autograph from you because I really love the Uncle Scrooge comics. And I did mm-hmm. try to talk about it. I, I do have some from Free Comic Book Day, and I would love to get some reprints. Mm-hmm. Uh, but so I had picked out one that he had done like a Spider-Man with his Uncle Scrooge dressed as Spider-Man, and he signed it for me and didn't charge me. Oh, that was nice of him. So that was very nice of him. So yes. I was like, okay, you know what? You know, he's he, I, I understand his point of view. He's not a bad guy. He's a very cool guy, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, so even though he didn't want, didn't want to talk, and he's kind of not really keen on Disney, I guess, so much, he's still an awesome guy and gave me a free autograph. Well, and I can understand. I mean, there's, when you spend so much time creating a character. Yeah, well, he didn't and, create the characters, but he's been the one drawing it. developing, you yeah. know, something, and then things go awry. I mean, there may be a lot of things behind the scenes that, you know, that we don't, don't, um, are not That we aware don't know, of. yeah. Yeah. And maybe he feels like... You know, Disney's kind of absconded to the character. Because I wanted to maybe ask him about Alan Young, what he thought about Alan Young's portrayal of Uncle Scrooge, mm-hmm. but I did not broach the subject. Yeah. So, yeah, all right. So I didn't want to make him mad. Uh, so next booth that I don't have any audio for you for now, but another, he lives locally. Great voice talent. Tom Kane, I mean, Professor Utonium on Powerpuff Girls. Mm-hmm. He's Yoda on any animated version of Yoda mm-hmm. you've ever seen. He even on the Clone Wars has that great announcer voice where he does this great thing. He's really... All kind of stuff. He was Magneto on it. I mean, just so much stuff. And I go and I say hello to him and talk to him a little bit every convention, but he so far has not sat down with me. Well, those girls that were, what, the dress up as the Powerpuff Girls? That's a whole different thing. Oh, okay. They didn't know he was there, but yeah, I didn't. Yeah, they... If you look on our news page, I do have all kinds of photos of this. Uh, you might have to dig for it because I'll probably have another DC TV Easter egg report up by the time you're hearing this. Um, but I told them that Tom King was up there. But So I went and I talked to him, and I said, well, I still have yet to have you on the show. And so... Uh, uh, so I'm talking to him, and he says, well, have I given you my email address? And I says, well, no. He says, well, it's really simple, you know. And so I, I wrote down his email address on the back of uh, a card. And he says, well, you email me, and go, you go ahead and set something up. And, and oh, that's time. nice, yeah. So, so look forward to I potentially could have Tom Kane on the show. Uh, but uh, I said, him. well, you know, this, I, I've had you sign my brochure before, but let, let me go ahead and buy a picture thing for you to sign. And I picked out a picture. He says, you know, no, 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 no charge. Here, I'm just going to sign you one. So I got Aww. two free autograph things. Yeah. So that was great. Uh, but then I, I went along down the row, and Barbara Eden there. Now, some of you are going to be like, oh, Barbara Eden. And some of you are going to be like, who? And I'm going to say, I dream of Jeannie. Mm-hmm. She was Jeannie back yep. on that. And I grew up watching that show. And me and well, She and, did some other things, too, but that's the one that that's most, the most people Yeah, she was a model for, and all kinds yes. of stuff. But, you know, Philip and I were talking, oh, I remember when I was four years old, I probably had, the, like, the biggest crush on Jeannie, you know. She was just great. Oh, we watched it on, uh, uh, where they recast it. On around here, sixty two channel sixty two. Yeah, they're playing it on uh, um, on another channel here mm-hmm. locally too. Mm-hmm. And we we would watch that. So uh, we, we liked TV. it. Mm-hmm. Love so that dream of I still watch it sometimes in the afternoons when I'm not watching Star Trek in the afternoons. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but I I wanted to be able to see if I could talk with her. And her manager says, well, because she's doing a panel on Sunday, which unfortunately today is Sunday. I wasn't going to be able to go today to go and yeah. record the panel because I would have been allowed to record that, mm-hmm. uh, but I wasn't going to be there. Uh, so I wasn't able to record or anything with it, but I did go and stop and say, you know, I told her how much I love Jeannie and thanked her for it and everything. And she smiled and, and stuff. Aww. And she's, 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 she's very sweet. Very, yeah. She's very, very nice. Very vivacious, mm-hmm. even at her age and just smile and so pleasant and sweet. Mm-hmm. And so 
I, I didn't get a chance to do anything more, but the thank you and stuff. And that's kind of also what I got with Peter Mayhew. He wasn't really there to talk, and he doesn't look like he was feeling very well. Well, I know he's got some health problems. Yeah, he's he? got some so. health issues, but I did get to shake his hand and thank him, but he didn't really even look at me. Yeah. Uh, it's just kind of, okay, whatever. Cause, and it looks like they basically were just, they would put something in front of him, he'd sign and pass and sign, you know. So well. he didn't look like he was doing well, but it was nice to be able to shake his hand, and I could feel boy in his hand. His hands are huge. It was amazing. Well, did you, see a, did you see in front of him he had a big tile that had his handprint in it like you could... Yeah, you, know, yeah, you could like see, compare, you know, your hand with his hand and things like that. But you know, he's been doing the uh, Comic Con circuit for a while, hasn't he? I mean, yeah. this is not the first time he's coming to Kansas City, and you know, I, yeah. I can understand where you might yeah. be tired. And, but he he does apparently love mm-hmm. coming to Planet Comic Con. Mm-hmm. He says on his Twitter and stuff he does love it. But he looked like he mm-hmm. wasn't feeling very well. So, mm-hmm. but it was so great to meet, you know, to at least shake hands with Peter Mayhew. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jeremy Bullock, Boba Fett, did have a line. It was too huge. I just didn't think I could get through it. I wondered also if Peter Mayhew saw the difference between his line and, and Boba Fett's and realized, wow, nobody wants to come see me. Oh, or, no. We, I hope we that wasn't Chewy. a thing. But Everybody we love Chewie. loves Chewie. Uh, I would have liked to have gotten in there. I don't think I could have recorded anything with Boba Fett. I've heard Skywalking Through Neverland has just a clip of him saying, I'm Skywalking Through Neverland. You know, he's got a great kind of mm-hmm. raspy voice. Uh, I didn't get a chance to go talk to him, but I did, as you heard, uh, talk to uh, David Ankrum, who was the voice of Wedge Antilles, and I hope you enjoyed hearing that. That uh, was some rare Star Wars trivia stuff that I did not know about, mm-hmm. uh, but we had a great time. Uh, there's more panels to come that I'm going to play for you. This week, you're going to get to hear Jenna Coleman from Doctor Who. She was Clara, mm-hmm. for those of you who are fans. Uh, her panel, I feel like, got cut short because uh, Manu Bennett, who was before, and I... I, I thought about going to his but we, we got to see quite a bit of it and he 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 must have had a really good panel we got to see he a told lot of stories it. he went over long and he took into jenna coleman's time unfortunately so her panel was like half an hour it's supposed to have been an hour but manu bennett uh, if you've seen arrow he was slade wilson better known as mm-hmm. deathstroke uh, he was in the shannara chronicles i guess he was in that spartacus series which i have not watched because every little thing i've seen about it yeah well i won't talk about it because this is a family friendly show it wasn't a family friendly series okay well, he was in the hobbit and the hobbit the yeah Ho- I, didn't, well, I didn't know a, that he was azog but it was all siege i mean like you don't he was a see CGI him character, as a cgi right. character but he was the big mean nasty orc you know and he even remembered like some of his orcish lines yes his orcish language things are either he was making up stuff on the spot we wouldn't have known it, but sounded, it sounded cool real. So, yeah it sounded for real so i kind of wish that maybe i had recorded it because i bet you would have enjoyed it but i wasn't sure you know and i was like well you know and i've heard he's he's had some i guess problems he's gotten a little legal trouble every once in a while and i was like well he i don't know if someone was gonna ask him about that and upset him i just i thought well let me just go and walk the floor and stuff so mm-hmm. maybe I should have went ahead and recorded. He was great. If you get a chance to meet him at a, another convention or hear his panel, go ahead and go to his panel because if you're a fan of Arrow or any of or, or The Hobbit or anything, I think mm-hmm. you would enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was pretty cool. I just wish he hadn't gone so long. But he loves to tell stories, and that makes a great yeah. panel. Well, he even joked about it. He's like, I give I give really long answers. Like he's notorious for giving really long answers to questions, and yeah. that's where the stories yeah. came in. So, but uh, we do need to uh, make a stopover in the trailer park, which we better do. Real okay. Quick. Mama, now the gator got in the house. Now the gator? Give me that sugar. Come here. Oh. Oh. Get him, Mama. Oh. Get that gator. Oh. Ah. The Neverland Trailer Park. My dad joined Starfleet because he believed in it. I joined on a dare. You joined to see if you could live up to him. You spent all this time 
trying to be your father. And now you're wondering just what it means to be you. It isn't uncommon, you know. It's easy to get lost in the vastness of space. There's only yourself, your ship, your crew. You really want to head back out there, huh? What the hell is this? They're boarding us. Abandon ship! I know why you're here. Why we are all here. Our captain will come for us. Mercy will be the last thing on his mind. I am counting on it. Fear of death is illogical. Fear of death is what keeps us alive. Everyone who goes there, he kills. That's our friends out there. We kind of just leave them behind. Unity is not your strength. It is a weakness. I think you're underestimating humanity. Hold on to something! Fire will! Do it! Do it! Pardon me. So that last time we saw a Star Trek trailer, or for a Star Trek Beyond, uh, and granted, the, you know the music had been used in the first rebooted Star Trek movie that they, mm-hmm. you know, that sabotaged by the Beastie Boys. So it seemed to be fitting to maybe use it again. But the style of the tr- teaser or the teaser trailer or, or trailer mixed with having a Fast and Furious director, we were all stunned. Like, what is this? This doesn't look like a Star Trek movie so much. This doesn't feel like a Star Trek movie. This looks like the Fast and the spaceships. Well, it almost reminded me a little bit of like Guardians of the Galaxy. Maybe that's that. They were trying. They were trying for that that kind of vibe, but it's that's a totally different uh, series than what you're talking about Star Trek. Yeah, and for Star Trek fans and everything, we want a Star Trek movie. So now this trailer comes out, and finally, I feel like, oh look, this looks like a cool Star Trek movie. It looks interesting. It's like yes, stranded on a planet kind of thing. And yeah, it looks like. I guess they're not going to say this is a spoiler, but it looked to me like the Enterprise got completely destroyed and they're getting a new ship. Yeah, that's what the trailer looks like. You know? Uh-huh, which I, I don't hope that doesn't scare anybody away when they see that in the trailer, but I guess it's better to mm-hmm. get the shock out of the way in the trailer than having the movie where they destroy the Enterprise. Mm-hmm. Considering this is supposed to be original crew and their ship isn't supposed to get destroyed, but maybe there's a good reason. that, they, And they're going to give them maybe a... Because I know there's like an Enterprise D and E and B and what, you know... You Trekkie people will be able to keep tabs on that better than I can. There's a lot, mm-hmm. there's a lot of Enterprises before we get to the one that's next generation. Mm-hmm. But maybe they'll, we'll get an Enterprise that's like a step closer to that or something. Maybe it's not completely destroyed. Maybe it's just, you well, know, enough, enough to, you know, have to well, abandon ship. And that, that was something yes, in the they trailer abandoned that abandoned ship. ship. You know, but there's enough to repair for later. I don't know. I'm just, yeah. you know, Because some really nasty alien does not like them. We don't mm-hmm. know what this villain's motives are, but it looks like he captures, like, Uhura and uh, and um, um, 
Sulu and maybe some of the other bits of the crew. Mm-hmm. And somehow or other, Kirk, Spock, Bones, and Scotty have have all gotten separated away, and they're they're going to rescue. And Scotty's even telling us like, well, he will, will not abandon the crew. And so mm-hmm. it looks like it's a rescue of the rest of the crew. Uh, some new characters going to be new. Like we got a new characters. alien that's uh, showing up that seems to be a female one's uh, a, an ally yeah. who's rebelling, I guess, against this evil you know alien who's I guess subjugating a lot she's of people. She's kind of cool looking. I mean, yeah, like, cool very, design. Yeah, you know, very very well designed. And you know, she's going to be with Kirk. You know, there'll be some kissing. He likes to kiss alien girls. You know. Well, maybe maybe not. Maybe this one won't go there, but I know he is. That's his character, you know, from the old series. But I'm excited now for the new Star Trek movie, which is good because this is like the 50-year anniversary. You said 50? 50 years of Star Trek. All right. Yes. Good. So I'm glad they got the good. Oh, something I forgot to mention about the floor of Planet Comic Con. I'm going to turn a corner real quick. Uh, So I don't know how to say his last name. I'm going to butcher it. I'm so sorry. Vic Magnolia or Magnolia. Magno- I mean, Mag- not Mag- not Magnolia. Know. That's a I, his. Name, he's got a lot of consonants. Magnolia. He was the coolest dude. Mm-hmm. Okay, so for anyone, he's not done anything Disney. But if you watch Full Metal Alchemist, he was Ed mm-hmm. on there. Uh, but he is playing Captain Kirk on a fan-made Star Trek series called Star Trek Continues. Go to the website. There's also it on YouTube. They've done, I think, four episodes, and the fifth one's about to come out, I think they said. But he was so cool, because we didn't get an autograph with him, but Philip and I just went to go talk to him. But he was posing with some of the girls, and I mean, he is one of those guys, he's so darn good-looking, you want to slap him, you know? Oh. He's a good-looking dude. He's got, because he's got, you know, I clearly I get things some Italian blood in there, so he's got that perfect, like, look, and that, the perfect, you know... Like like jet fighter pilot kind of blonde hair. I mean, he's, <laughs> he's got the hair. He's just good looking, dude. I mean, we're like, <laughs> man, you're cooler than we we're ever going to be. You're awesome. You know, is so. this where this is where I was sitting watching people and yeah, you stopped like, oh. to kind of rest over well, the table. Well, if you had told me, I, you might. We're well, gonna I go t- by. I, I told you I wanted to go and talk to him because I love Full Metal Alchemist, but he yeah. was so awesome and he That's sings. Good. He had some CDs. I had like a Christmas wow. CD and I had one that was called Selah, which you know is from uh, Psalms actually. So mm-hmm. I thought that was kind of cool, uh, but. If he's got a website, go check it out. I don't know how to spell his name, but look him up on IMDb. Look up Full Metal Alchemist and find Vic. Uh, how are you say his last name? Magnolia. Um, Magnolia, but Mag- it's, Magnolia. it's not spelled like Magnolia, like Mike yeah. Magnolia, creator of Hellboy. It's not spelled like that. It's mm-hmm. different. But uh, it was great, and I uh, I was going to maybe have him record a bumper, but I didn't know if anybody would know who he was. And I thought it'd be fun to, say, to have him holler, Hank, don't call me small or something. Yeah. Uh, so, But he was so awesome. That's great. Um, but I think we got kind of time for a quick story before we go straight into hearing from Jenna Coleman. So let's listen to a story. This is your Neverland story time. You can listen along with your MP3 device. You will know it is time to listen when you hear the chime like this. Let's begin now. Come in, come in. If it's men's hat you're looking for, Harry the hat is where it's at. What can I do for you? I'm Harry. Oh, hi. I want to buy a hat for my boyfriend. Aha! You came to the right place. What size? About seven and a half, I think. Got just the thing. Look at this beauty. Bright and snappy. Make you both happy. Well, Peter is on the conservative side. I think this is a little too far out. Not another word. I know just what you want. Just take a look at this magnificent display over here. We interrupt this program to bring you a special bulletin. In a bold daylight holdup, the Second National Bank was robbed by a thief with a flair for the fantastic. Dressed like Robin Hood, the bandit got away with a million dollars in less than 20 minutes. A million dollars for 20 minutes' work? In my store, it would take me 20 years to make half that. In a flamboyant farewell gesture, he tossed a feather from his hat to a girl teller as he left. Sounds romantic. 
I don't know. Stuff like that could give hats a bad name. Meanwhile, at police headquarters... Everybody wants in on showbiz. First is that clown running around dressed up like Paul Revere. Yeah, only Paul Revere was too busy holding on to his horse to be holding on to the loot from three banks. And then that fugitive from the three musketeers calling himself D'Artagnan, ripping off a million-dollar Rembrandt at the museum. The commissioner's been on my back ever since. And now, Robin Hood, like out of an old Errol Flynn movie. Yeah, with all these dingalings running loose, all I need is for that creep Spider-Man to pull one of his capers, and I'll be climbing the walls for sure. Hi, Captain. Uh, what's with Spider-Man? Trouble again? Oh, it's you, Parker. The little man with the big ears. How'd you get away from your babysitter? Only doing my job, Captain. Uh, anything new in the Robin Hood heist? Not a thing. No fingerprints, no weapon, no nothing. Just this feather. Hmm, might as well get a picture of it. Anything to keep old Jameson quiet. Hmm, a feather from a Robin Hood hat, a fancy three musketeer hat, and the Paul Revere Yankee doodle bit. Hmm. Looks to me like the work of one man, a sort of mad hatter of Manhattan. Uh, any theories, Captain? We're working on it, Sonny. We're working on it. Now, why don't you pick up your hat and your marbles and run along like a good little boy? I got work to do. Okay, okay. Don't go away mad. Hey, Mulligan! I want a 24-hour guard put on the Queen Britannia when she docks on Friday. She's carrying the Caldorian crown jewels worth 15 million bucks, and ain't nobody gonna get near that ship or we'll all go back to pounding pavements. 15 million. Just the kind of bait a brilliant kook like this mad hatter would go for. Captain, you're gonna get some help from Spider-Man whether you like it or not. It's 12 o'clock noon on Friday, three days later. The Queen Britannia has arrived safely at the dock. Okay, Mulligan, got your men stationed? Yes, sir, Captain. 24 of New York's finest. It would take a whole army to get by us. And with me on the job personally, this is one time I don't have to worry about any... Uh Uh-oh. Now what? The jewels! He's got the jewels! Stop him! Stop him! Stop him! Stop him! Captain, look! Do you see what I see? Where? Way up there, on the prow of the ship. It's a pirate. It's Captain Kidd. Oh, no. Here we go again. (laughs) Thanks for the reception, committee gentlemen. Just like the old days on the Spanish main. But don't worry about the jewels. Captain Kidd will take very good care of them. You fool, you can't get away with this. On the contrary, my dear captain, I am getting away. Fifteen men on a dead man's chest. Yo-ho-ho, and a bottle of rum. Look at that. He took a running start, and he's swinging on that rope, and now... I don't believe it. He's practically flying. It's impossible. I know it's impossible, but he's doing it. All the way from the ship to that warehouse roof. He's getting away. He's disappeared. Adios, amigos. (laughs) The biggest and boldest robbery in the history of New York. And a one-man job at that. Now to get back to the... Congratulations, old boy. Huh? Spider-Man, what are you doing here? Hate to spoil the fun, chum, but enough is enough, and you're too much. Now, take it easy, Spider-Man, take it easy. Maybe we can make a deal. We've got a lot in common, you and I. No deal, Harry. So, you know who I am. Tell me, how did you figure it out? A feather in the hat my young friend Peter Parker was wearing gave me the first tip-off. And I've been close on your heels ever since. So, no deal? No deal. Then how about some cold steak? A sword, huh? 
Harry the Hat, the Mad Hatter of Manhattan, a swashbuckling romantic to the last. Hate to do this to you, Spider-Man, but I gave you a chance. And as Captain Kidd might have said, get the point! Aren't you the cut-up, Harry? Be careful, though. You might cut yourself with that toy. That was a close shave, as the man said to the barber. Good moving, Spider-Man. Oh, what a team we could make, you and I. Still no deal, Harry. Bobby, what a pity. Then try this. My arm. Numb. You've got some kind of ray gun built into that sword. Took me by surprise. And this. Now my leg. It seems I underestimated you. Captain Kidd doesn't kid around. And now, Spider-Man, because you know too much, regretfully I've got to finish you off. Oops! You took the sword right out of my hand! Yep, Spider-Man doesn't fool around either. And now for the webhead's famous triple twist over the head, down the hatch, wrapper-rupper! Oh, look what you did to my beautiful Captain Kid Pirate Hat! <laughs> How about that? Here he is, tied up in knots like a pretzel, ready to be handed over to the gendarmes, and all he worries about is his hat! Do me one last favor, Spider-Man. Sure. What is it? Take this helmet off my head. Helmet? Oh, yeah. It fits so close to your head, I didn't even notice it. Just thought you were kind of bald. There you are. Whew. Thanks. So what does it do? By way of an electromagnetic impulse accelerator connected to the brain, it gave me the power to think clearer, run faster, jump higher, and hit harder than anyone alive. Till I met you. Now all it gives me is a headache. Well, cheer up, old friend. You were good for a bunch of laughs, and you never really did hurt anyone. So, after a year or two in the Hoosgow, you can go back to being just plain Harry the Hat. Our next guest has gone from being the impossible girl to the Queen of England. Please welcome Jenna Coleman! I just got in about 1 a.m. this morning. Oh my gosh. I've been told to try barbecue. You have to try it. What is it? It's Joe's, right? And also Jack's. Those are the two places? Gates. Jack Stack. You gotta give Gates. it both names. Jack's. Jack Stack. Got it. Jack Stack. That's where you gotta go. Jack Stack. And Not Jack's dad. This was what he said first off. Jack Stack. Jack's dad? Not that Jack's would be an interesting <laughs> barbecue joint. I'm looking for Jack's dad. <laughs> <laughs> you must be looking for lost here in Missouri. <laughs> um, so let me ask you this, and then we'll turn it over to audience questions, because I know you guys, the Doctor Who fans, are some of the most passionate and knowledgeable fans in the world. We love you guys. Um, did you did you actually, were you watching the show before you went into audition for the new companion? Um, weirdly, no, um, because in the UK, when I was growing up, um, it was it was part of the time when it wasn't on anymore. Uh, so I was part of that generation of the denied children who didn't have Doctor Who growing up. That's so sad. But I do remember. I remember actually weirdly being in New York and um, and seeing Matt and Karen on a on a big poster in Times Square when it was all coming like when when it had just changed over. I remember thinking, like, oh wow, cool, Doctor Who's uh, it's big over here. Um, but it wasn't until I started to audition that I actually watched The Eleventh Hour and I watched uh, a couple of James Corden's episodes as well because I, I wanted just to not kind of see Matt and Karen's dynamic too much whilst I was auditioning. 
That's smart. Yeah, because I, I, then I just thought it would be its, its own thing and you're not in danger of kind of copying any rhythms or anything like that. Did Karen give you any advice once you were cast? Um, no, she didn't. We were actually, we were in makeup together a couple of times because I was in for um, Oswin on Asylum of the Daleks. So I was actually in makeup with, um, with Arthur, Karen and Matt when I first started. Uh, but no, she didn't. We just wound Matt up, actually, that we were texting and, and she was giving me advice on how to handle Matt. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't work. Uh, it just made him a bit paranoid, I think. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's part of the course, I guess, right? <laughs> yes, let's take our first question so we can get through as many as we can. Hi, my name is Joe, and I wanted to ask, what was your favorite blooper moment on set? Oh, that's a good question. Oh my goodness, that's a great, do you know what, I've never been asked that before. Um, there's so many that you get kind of, it, it's usually when things like you're being attacked by a Dalek and the Dalek gets caught in a doorway and can't get past and then people have to run in and kind of like wheel the Dalek into the right place and like you're still acting scared and then the Dalek will leave and like bump into the wall and carry on. Um, a lot of it is usually to do with, the funniest moments for me are when you call cut and like the, the monster or the bad guy will turn around and be like, what are you having for lunch? That's <laughs> so weird. I know. Now that's probably the funniest like, bits for me. There's a lot of tricks and falls as well because you kind of like tend to skid everywhere because it, you feel like you know you're an action hero when you do that. But that's often Matt in particular where he will then fall over trying to get a really good skid. Thank you. Great question. Yes. Who's that person holding up? Kit Harrington. John Snow. John Snow over there. That's all I can see is Kit and I. It's this John Snow waving at me. It's really distracting. It's brilliant. I mean, she's a school teacher who kind of lives a double life of teaching, you know, uh, Jane Austen and then will run into a stationary cupboard and run off to Mars and save the world and then come back and carry on with Pride and Prejudice. Um, <laughs> so it's a lot of fun. I loved it. I mean, I, I like, I've, I've liked having the opportunity to play all different versions of Clara um, and, you know, go through many a doctor. Um, it's been it's been wonderful. Thank you. Were you happy with how the storyline wrapped up for Clara? Yeah, I loved it actually. Um, I I never knew what was going to happen until I read the last episode. But Stephen, the only thing Stephen said to me was, "She won't be a companion who goes back to Earth." Is is the only he said? I just can't see her going back, and carrying on, and, and living a normal life again. We kind of have to find a different a different way. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Hi. Staircase. I loved the snowman episode. I think that's still my favorite. 
Um, I mean, there's all sorts. We were in uh, Lanzarote in spacesuits, which was the moon, um, for three days. And what was quite funny is it was so hot, it was like 80-something degrees. Um, so we all had cooling suits on. So in between takes, you had to like go and be plugged in to like the tent so the cooling <laughs> suit would work. I mean, every, every day was so different. Every day was kind of, um, you know, whether you put on wires and hung upside down. And there was a lot of hanging upside down last series. There, yeah, there is. I got hung upside down a lot. That was intense. <laughs> Harder than you think. I miss. <laughs> Thank you. What has it been like going from playing the very modern, you know, Clara to Queen Victoria? Uh, <laughs> it's quite different. Uh, yes, it's very different. Yes, it is. I mean, this is a bit of a culture shock. I, I wrapped on Queen Victoria um, what feels like yesterday, but I think it might have been the day before. Um, so I've just been in Yorkshire in Victorian times in stately homes, and then I've got on a plane, stopped off in Chicago, got here. Oh, uh, so this feels quite odd. Well, we're glad you made it for some barbecue. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Hi. Hi. I'm Haley. Um, Clara's been through a lot of emotional scenes, a lot of emotional trauma, I guess you would say. How, as an actress, do you come down from that kind of emotional scene? Um, go for a drink. <laughs> <laughs> Um, to be honest, it, 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 usually in, in the scene that will do it. You kind of you kind of um, uh, put yourself in a certain place, and then you live out the scene, and then that's that's done. So you can kind of walk away, um, which I think is a healthy a healthy way. Um, and then usually after that, you've probably got some running to do up and down a corridor, so that kind of gets rid of it as well. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. Hi. Yay, Clara. Hello. What was the difference between working uh, with Matt Smith and Peter Capaldi? Like the difference between chemistry? Um, I don't know. That's really hard for me to say. They they are actually, funnily, they're very um, the way they work is really really similar. What's what's kind of not similar is their doctors, but the, in terms of the way they work, they're actually remarkably. Um, they're both. <coughs> They never commit to one option of a scene. Like they're constantly kind of um, they're searching for different ways. So you can film like six different versions of a scene, and you know you only kind of obviously see one that goes out on screen. But they're incredibly um, spontaneous and, and creative, um, and like to make fun of me. <laughs> so quite similar. Just you know, one's grey, one isn't. Although Matt's a little bit grey, kind of thing. So. Thank Thanks. you. Yes? Um, hi. Hi. So, last year, Karen told a few stories about how she used to break a lot of stuff on set, and so I was wondering if you've ever broken any of the props. Uh, I think on my first day, I broke the TARDIS. <laughs> <laughs> I felt like it was a really bad omen. Like, but genuinely, I got really suspicious about it. I was like, everyone's going to hate me. The TARDIS hates me. And then it became a thing that, that, that the TARDIS doesn't like Clara. Um, but everything breaks, but it's impossible when you're on the TARDIS to not touch stuff. Like, anyone that comes on, I defy you to not start pressing buttons. Um, I started to do it a bit too eagerly, and then Peter looked at me and was like, it's not how you work it. <laughs> um, but there's a lot of things that, that, you know, a lot of guns, like, you know, the kind of, um, like, weapons that will fall off and things during takes. 
Um, everything breaks. Everything. <laughs> Thank you. The set walls you've got to be careful of because they wobble. <laughs> that makes sense. Hi. Hi. I wanted to ask, what was it like getting to banter with Matt Smith and Peter Cabaldi? The best. It's brilliant. Because they're, they're both so fabulous and both really good friends and both fantastic actors and very different, brilliant, kind of enigmatic doctors. So for me, it was, um, it was, it was a great way to experience the job and also to kind of play Clara against two different doctors and see what that did to her as well was really interesting. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Hi, Oswin. Hi. Hello. My name is Brianna. Hello. And my question is, um, what was your favorite line that Clara said on the show? <sighs> favorite line? Um, I mean, fun you clever boy. <laughs> that was your signature. It kept coming back. Yeah. I loved all the souffle girl stuff. I think she had some cracking one-liners. Thank you. You're Thank welcome. You. So I asked if Karen had any advice for you, and they just announced the new companion, Pearl Mackey. Do you yeah. have any advice for her going in? Oh man, what can you say other than um, enjoy it? Enjoy it. It goes so quickly, and I'm, you know, it's so exciting to see the show propelled forward, and to see Peter's Doctor with a new companion, and what that's going to bring and do. And um, I mean, he is the one of the most wonderful human beings. So she's in for um, a real wonderful roller coaster. It's very exciting. That's amazing. Yes. Um, what was your favorite version of Clara to play as an actor? I loved. Um, uh, it's probably it's been well. I loved I loved Oswin Oswald. I thought she was kind of crackers, um, which I enjoyed. Um, and then also the Nancy. The Na well, I say the Nancy. The the kind of the Cockney the Cockney Clara. Um, in the snowman, which originally was going to be who Clara was going to be full time. It was one of the main ideas to make her kind of a Mary, Mary Poppins slash Nancy from Oliver living a double life. So that's what the series was going to start off with. It's, it's quite interesting what a journey we took. But that was incredibly um, fun to play. Thank you. That is interesting. Did you have, do you credit yourself with that uh, influence of, of the divergence? No, it was, also, it was all Stephen. I just didn't, I mean, I had to audition for about five different characters and all these different accents, and I was like, they just, they don't know what they want. They're, they're not, they're just trying to go across every kind of possible, uh, you know, accent or person. To, and, and I didn't realize that Stephen had this big kind of master plan. Yeah. Hi. Yes. Oh, a lifetime of adventures, I think. Um, I remember when we were doing the 50th anniversary and it's what me and Stephen looked at one another and were just saying, you know, it's what, oh, he used a word that was like a really smart word that I'd forgotten. Um, <laughs> but it was something that we were saying when we're 60 years old and you get to look back at like all these special things that happen in your life, that's gonna be um, something that you never ever forget. So that's what it means. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. Hi. 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 Um, what was it like working with Maisie Williams in the latest season? Oh, she's brilliant. It was so, um, it felt like she was there for years with us. 
Um, I, I knew Maisie before anyway, um, but I think she is she's a wonderful actress um, and so much fun. The three of us are kind of, um, we're just like three kids really, but of completely different kind of ages. Um, but yeah, she's amazing. She's a clever, great girl. Are you a Game of Thrones fan? Yeah, I like Game of Thrones. Yeah. I kind of have I've missed that the last uh, two seasons. I need to catch up, but I love it. Well, I won't spoil anything before I go. Okay, no, don't. <laughs> but keep watching. Okay. <laughs> yes. Hi. Um, what was your favorite moment with the cast and the crew of Doctor Who? Mm, the cast and the crew. Probably filming the 50th. There was something when we were filming the 50th anniversary. We we're doing we we're doing that, but we we're also shooting in 3D. Um, so the process of filming was really different, and it was also my birthday, David Tennant's birthday, um, and Doctor Who's birthday. So we had cake nearly every day. <laughs> Thank you. Hi. literally come up the stairs of the TARDIS and pass Matt. They had a hope, we all had a picture. Matt gave Peter his watch and then we like carried on rehearsing and went on. So that was really bizarre. It was such a weird, weird day um, because you're equally kind of so sad to be losing, you know, a friend and a colleague and well, more than a colleague. Um, but at the same time, you're incredibly excited because this incredible actor is coming on and going to do something great in this famous role, so it's it's a really mixed bag of feelings. And then after that, we took like three months off and came back in the January with Ben Wheatley directing, so it felt like a whole new show after that. And it was kind of just starting again, really, starting fresh and seeing what happened. Thank you. Yeah, I imagine that passing of the torch would be just, I mean, that's it's so literally mid-scene, mid-scene. Yeah. Here's my watch, here's my TARDIS. Here's my companion, have I? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, literally, it's so brutal. Like, what happened? <laughs> Hi. Hi. Um, my question is, what was it like to change from like set to set every day? And what would have been your favorite? My favorite set? <coughs> the TARDIS. I do not blame you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think, I don't know how it happens, because you can walk, so it's all in um, Roadblock Studios in Cardiff, and you walk in and it's like this, I mean, there's three gigantic studios where we do loads of green screen and, and, um, and the TARDIS is always there, but then they build, um, you, know, you know, the streets that you see in Victorian London, they're all built. We built the banks of the Thames that you saw in Peter Capaldi, uh, Capaldi's first episode. Um, they brought in loads of sand and um, all sorts of stuff like you wouldn't believe and I don't know when it happens It's like secret men in the night come and make new worlds and you walk in and you're on a different planet Thank Literally. you. Thank you. Hi Hello Clara likes books and I was wondering what your favorite book was Clara likes books um, my, I love um, a, a book called East of Eden, um, and I also like a book called Catcher in the Rye, 
um, and I read something called The Goldfinch, but when I was younger, uh, my favourite book was called The Naughtiest Girl in School <laughs> by Ian Blyton. <laughs> You're welcome. Thank you. Are you are you one of those people that reads everything by an author you find you like? Uh, yeah, I, do, I like kind of go through fits and phases of it. Yeah, I do that too. I, I find someone and I read everything. They yeah. Say. Hi. 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 <laughs> um, uh, I was wondering why you left off. Oh, I'm sorry. Why you love Doctor Who and are you sad? Oh, I didn't hear the question properly. <laughs> sorry. I thought you said you're sad, but I left. <laughs> Why did I leave? Was the question. Because um, I felt I had. I did three series, um, and and I'd worked with two doctors, and I think that was just kind of a great. I, I it just it was the right. I felt the story had gone to the right place. Um, to leave, and I was extremely sad about it. Thank you. Thank you. Hi. Hello. It's BB8. We met earlier. What was it like being Doctor Who? <laughs> that was a good job asking that question. <laughs> it was amazing. <laughs> Thank you, BB-8. You did a good job asking. It's hard to pick a favorite job, but would you say Doctor Who is your favorite? I mean, I'm like obviously leading you into an answer, but... <laughs> yeah, it, it kind of, it, it feels more like a special uh, period of time. It doesn't, it doesn't feel like a job, really. It's its own uh, weird and wonderful thing. <laughs> yes. For those not seeing it, that someone is dressed completely as a Dalek and just asked the question. Why is, are you putting that voice on or is that computerized? This is my natural speaking voice! <laughs> Nicholas Briggs, he's going to be out of the job. <laughs> there was no eggs. No eggs. Oh, you dream crusher. <laughs> Did you at least enjoy being the first Dalek companion? The Dalek companion? You are an inspiration to the Daleks! <laughs> They're not very comfortable, are they? Writing in Daleks? Was there any scene that was particularly odd, strange? Filming inside a Dalek is really hard. Um, definitely. Yeah. It's kind of like, we, the way we did it, we, um, this is the, the, the third time I was in, inside a Dalek, um, where we were all wired up, but that was incredibly tricky. Yeah. Um, but I, again, actually filming upside down is, is really hard. Yeah. I'm going to go back to that. <laughs> 
gonna stick with the upside down. The upside, upside down in a small enclosure. <laughs> the most challenging experience I've ever had. Hi. Hello. Hi. Um, what's the scariest monster you've had? Ooh. I think the silence uh, scary. Um, I, for me, it's the ones that go really slowly after you. I don't like it. It really freaks me out because there's something about the confidence of I don't need to go fast because I'm going to get you anyway. That really scares me. So the silence, I don't like. Well, I like, but in a scary way. Um, and the whisper men. Does anyone remember the whisper men? Uh -huh. The whisper men from the name of the doctor, I found scary. What's the scariest one to you? someone gave me recently was since with Twitter and YouTube and the internet is kind of how the platforms are changing it's kind of um, a lot more easier to be accessible um, so you know if you want to pick up a camera and start filming things and make short films or anything like that um, it, it's a lot more it's a lot easier to be to kind of start making your own stuff actually awesome thank you thank you thank you yes hi Hello. What was your favorite episode to play as Clara? Snowman. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Hi. Hello. This is a question my dad conjured out of his mind. Did you ever steal anything from the set? Uh, yes, I did. And what would that be? I stole a piece of TARDIS. <laughs> I asked permission and then left with it under a towel. Um, <laughs> um, it was planned for a while. Um, I've actually got, there was a line, I don't know if anyone remembers about a clockwork squirrel. And then the props team, I like walked past them one day and I was like, what are you making? They were like, oh, clockwork squirrel. And I was like, that's amazing. So I've got that. I've got clockwork squirrel and um, a piece of TARDIS and I have my TARDIS key on a necklace as well. Thank you. That's definitely an aww moment. <laughs> yes, hi. They may have changed the locks, but... <laughs> hi! Um, okay, so, I'm gonna be 100% honest. I nearly cried watching Face the Raven. Lean into the mic. I nearly cried watching Face the Raven. That was just horrible. Oh. I mean, it was sad. And, okay, so my question is, um... um we all know how the doctor felt watching you leave. Um, uh, but what did 
Peter Capaldi, what was his reaction to your leaving the show? It was a strange one because we, we both knew it was happening for a while. Um, I'm just trying to think what his reaction was. I mean, we both knew it was coming so we could both feel it, but we're not, you know, he's, so, he's very um, Scottish. <laughs> and quite dry. So we'd, we'd much sooner kind of like find something to insult each other and make fun of each other, which secretly means I love you, um, than, than, you know, be kind of hugging and... Um, but it, it was incredibly emotional. Um, uh, and I got some, you know, lovely gifts from him. But I see him all the time still. It's just you kind of know it's the end of a thing. Thank you. Thank you. And we have time for one more question. So. Um, what was it like for you on set for your like first day? My first day? That's a good one. My first day was bananas. Um, I was filming on Asylum of the Dalek, but Matt, Karen, and Arthur were on another unit uh, filming the dinosaur episode, I think it was. Um, so I was by myself talking to a green circle in a spaceship. Um, which was supposed to be mapped with someone reading in lines. Um, so yeah, I'd, I'd spent two days talking to a green circle. And that was literally my first two days on Doctor Who. And then I remember I sat on a light. And I even remembered this recently. I sat down on a light when, you know, there's a bit where she's, she gets upset at the end and she's crying. I sat on a light and I burnt my hand. So if you try and look back at some of the episodes, you'll see my hands like this because I've got this huge blister on, on it as well. Um, so that was quite a strange first day. <laughs> Thank and you. And I'm pointing Matt going, is it always like this? <laughs> and he's like, yes it is. He's like, yes, you talk to imaginary things, you talk to tennis balls, you talk to green circles. Welcome to Doctor Who. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Doctor Who. Thank you so much, Jenna, for Thank coming to, uh, to talk with us for an hour. Neverland feedback. Okay, it's time for some feedback. And I, I'm always excited about this type of feedback. This was really cool. I got an email this week from Karen. Uh, she has given us the pixie name Rainbow Snow. And the reason? Because I love rainbows and snow cones. Perfect. Because you know what we really need in Neverland? Somebody to, to magically make some snow cones out of their pixie dust. So Rainbow Snow, Pixie Rainbow Snow, you are our official pixie of snow cones. You know what? When I was a kid, that was my favorite kind of snow cone was, was the rainbow, rainbow ones. Yes. Yes. Awesome. Yes. And if, just make sure if you make a yellow snow cone that has definitely got to be lemon. But uh, uh, here's our big welcome to you, Karen. Thank you so much for joining the Neverlanders. Uh, we love you. It's awesome. Hope to maybe be able to meet you someday. All right. And, uh, okay, I've actually been sitting on these. I've had these for a little while. I found out that iTunes, when I look in America, I can only see comments from Americans. But anyone who comments on iTunes in, like, say, Canada, I can't see those. But Dale Wentland from the Dcast, go and check them out. Fun show. They are also on YouTube. They put their entire podcast on YouTube. They also have an audio version. They have a lot of other great YouTube videos. But he sent me a couple of the Canadian reviews. Uh, and one of them is from uh, the classic movie expert, 
by Bruce at Mindfulness Mode. Uh, it says, Great podcast for people who love classic movies and games. Jeremy is a real expert when it comes to these topics. Uh-huh. Well, that's very nice of him to nice. say. I don't it. consider myself an expert, but it's nice for someone to think I am. You know a lot more about some things than I do. That's yeah. for sure. And then the other one, is, uh, the title was, What a Great Informative Podcast by Sith Outcast 85 And this one says, I love Jeremy's movie knowledge and his ability to break down movies. I enjoy his voice. Why, thank you. And production <laughs> style. Awesome podcast. Thank you both for some great reviews. Yes, and thank you. Uh, I, I keep them coming, y'all. If you have not gone to iTunes and given me a review, I'd love to be able to see it. Uh, even if you want to advise something, maybe there's something you don't quite like you think I could work on, be constructive. I like constructive criticism. Don't just go on there and say, well, that's stupid. Tell me why it's uh, stupid it's, it, so yeah, I can fix it. Too easy to bash. Yeah. You know, give me something helpful that where you think I can make the show better. And uh, But that's all the time we have for, so I guess we better hit our exit button center. Bing! Thank you for listening to the Neverland Podcast. We invite you back next week for more fun and adventure. Until then, remember to keep a pixie in your pocket. It's that young at heart, positive attitude that you can share with others. And remember to visit our website at NeverlandPodcast.com. There you can find links to our news page, our shop, our contact page, where you can easily send an email to podcast at NeverlandPodcast.com. You can also find our Neverlanders page, where you can find out how to become an official Lost Boy or Pixie, because girls are too clever to get lost. Become a real Neverlander! Please feel free to leave us a voicemail at 816-226-6492. And be sure to follow us on Twitter at NeverlandPCast. And like our Neverland Podcast fan page on Facebook. We also have a group on Facebook for you to join. We also appreciate your support to keep the Neverland Podcast up and running. Visit Patreon.com slash Neverland Podcast to donate to Keeping the Pixie Dust Alive. Copyright content featured on the Neverland Podcast is copyright of their respective creators and used under fair use license. All original content is copyright of Blue Band Productions and a very special thanks to Yeehaw Bob Jackson at yeehawbob.com for our new ending music. God bless! Yeah! Hello everybody, this is Yeehaw Bob Jackson. Neverland Podcast, we love you. Neverland Podcast, we love you. Neverland Podcast, it's true. Neverland Podcast, we love you. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.